Well, hello everybody. It's Friday, February the 24th. Welcome to episode 17 of The Garage Cast, a podcast where we talk about innovation and education. I am Michael Iani Polarchio, the head of innovation and strategic projects here at Branksome Hall, and I'm so pleased to be your host here on The Garage Cast. This week we're going to be talking about, of course, artificial intelligence. I'm going to give you an update on some things that have emerged in the market over the last while, some interesting AI that has seeped into this podcast, and a recent workshop too, actually, that I led this week. Plus, we'll look at another useful tech tool for educators. So buckle up, everybody, and let's get started. Well, I'll say this right off the bat, and it has to do with when I said that some AI has seeped into this podcast. It's actually the music that you heard at the beginning of this podcast. No, I am not changing the traditional <laughs> sort of music that I've used to introduce the Garage Cast, but I did for this week because I was using some artificial intelligence tools to create music. So we've talked about art before. Uh, we've clearly talked about text output. And um, now music-related tools are emerging. And so just with some keywords, the type of, type of mood that I wanted, um, various other sort of parameters that I, I indicated, it generated some custom music. And I thought I would include that. You might want to go back and listen to that uh, maybe at the end of the podcast if you uh, are, are now curious to hear what that AI-generated music sounded like. When we look at artificial intelligence, I've been thinking about it again this week because I uh, did two additional sessions. Remember my AI intro workshop um, and had uh, a large number of uh, educators attend. That was earlier in the week on Tuesday. feels longer because it's been such a busy week, but it was really just at the top of this week. And people, of course, you know, amazed with what these tools can do. It was so lovely to uh, be able to raise awareness, uh, introduce things uh, to some people and for others to show them new ways of working with tools like ChatGPT. But I was thinking through the week, because so many new and interesting use cases are emerging, my colleagues at Branksome, educators and uh, employees, stop and tell me how they've been using um, the tools. And it got me thinking, you know, that over the long run, you know, right now we are, we're at a time where it is exciting. Uh, I don't want to use the word hype, uh, you know, to to introduce some kind of negative connotation to the technology we have. But there is a, a high level of excitement and hype and and enthusiasm, and you know, it's all AI, AI, AI. But over the long run, as these tools become more and more normalized and more integrated, I think, you know, what we'll see are 
categories of benefits uh, or ways to categorize uh, the impact that artificial intelligence um, will have. We'll stop talking about artificial intelligence and start talking about what we've realized from it. You know, I think that we will see automation, increased uh, levels of automation for administrative tasks and ability to save more time for teachers. And I think that's, that's an important area because the more time we can save, the more time teachers can spend with their students. And the more time we can save for employees, the more time we are able to spend less operational things and more on strategic things. And for students, I think that's equally true. And I'm going to give you an example shortly. I think it's no doubt that we're going to see increased levels of teacher and AI collaboration. I was going back to some old presentations that I had made um, back in 2017 and 2018 where I was talking about society, people in the workplace, working with intelligent bots. And here we are in 2023, we see the real emergence of that. And that collaboration, you know, we should be asking ourselves now how AI can assist teachers in developing their own skills and collaborating on on work product, so not automating routine tasks, but now playing a role with us on that higher level stuff. Um, then we've got personalization, you know, how AI can offer uh, adaptive learning um, and tailor content to students. So I was um, showing participants in my workshop, how artificial intelligence like uh, ChatGPT, um, I gave some examples where I said, I am a grade 10 student and I'm uh, getting ready for uh, an upcoming test on uh, factoring. Can you please quiz me? And the tool begins to quiz you. It generates a list of questions that you can answer if you answer them incorrectly. It then steps through in detail to help you understand how you get to the answer. And that allows for personalization. It allows us to scale personalization across large groups of students. And then I think, you know, the other thing that we will see is improvement in accessibility. You know, how can artificial intelligence improve access to education for students who have some type of barrier, right? It could be something with the individual, you know, diverse learners, um, neurodiverse. It could also, though, include uh, learners that are in remote areas. And I think that the continued evolution of artificial intelligence allows us to um, to realize that future. You know, I was leading a very uh, small group of students today. We've got our grade nine students who went off to uh, our campus in South Korea. And for all of uh, those teachers traveling and, and or students, 
um, chaperones that are with uh, 100 plus kids uh, in South Korea. Uh, If you're listening to this podcast, I'm wishing you a wonderful experience there. I've been there three times uh, and it's outstanding. We have some students who have remained uh, here in uh, Toronto and um, we are doing an interdisciplinary unit together. It's a a STEM-focused unit where they are building small wind turbines uh, and learning about how to, you know, again, using the design cycle, um, how do we design uh, blades, wind turbine blades, and and a design of a wind turbine that produces the greatest level of electricity. It's a cool unit. And I actively was allowing for ChatGPT to be used. And we used it twice. Uh, one of the students was looking at, she'd done some really wonderful sketches, ideas that were coming out of brainstorming for um, wind turbine design. And She'd done a little bit of research prior that's part of our process, uh, sort of part one of the design cycle is to is to research your problem and or uh, the solution that you are embarking on or the product that you are developing. And she'd set out then to start sketching and she created some really interesting designs with all kinds of intuitive reasons as to why she had shaped the blades the way she had. And then she said, you know, I... I'm trying to understand, I've got these two designs that I like, but I'm not sure how to choose which one might be better. I'm not, how do I assess the, the benefit of either of these two types of blades? So we went to ChatGPT and, and we basically posed it a question that said, you know, what are the benefits of a blade that is in the shape of a crescent shape? versus a, um, a wind turbine blade that is flat on the bottom and curved on top. We really just described it in the way we saw it. And the AI, in turn, started to tell us the benefits of the first one, which is an airfoil blade. And then it starts to tell us some of the benefit of the second one, which is a plate blade. And the student was just visibly surprised. Uh, and then I said, I knew airfoil. Uh, and the second one, I hadn't realized that's what it was called. And I said, what you're going to do is you're going to take this output from ChatGPT, put it in your process journal, and make sure you put a reference. You source this material. Where did it come from? It's You're working with an AI bot. And now you can go off and do some deep research. Now you know the name of the two blades that you are, you, you've hand-sketched, the airfoil and the plate blade. And you can now answer your question, because before, she didn't know, how, how, what am I looking for in Google? What am I looking for in the research? And of course, she could have typed in crescent-shaped blade and probably found a bunch of links that you'd have to go through, and that would have taken time. And, and that's the way we did things. And now, this is the way... We do things. And I think she felt really, I could just see there was like a light bulb moment where she realized she had this powerful tool to help her in her learning. We talked about it as as a group, how, you know, not to abuse these tools. 
You know, the easy thing is to go off and cut and paste the whole response and just say, here's my answer. But no, she was going deeper based on some direction that had been provided. And then we had a second uh, instance. I won't get into the example, but again, a student had a query. I was explaining it. Uh, it had to do with the differences between horizontal uh, wind turbines and vertical um, turbines and which way do they do they rotate. And uh, so we put it into ChatGPT just to see if there was any additional insight and it reinforced or supported what she and I had been talking about. And it did provide as well some other ways to think about um, differences between vertical and horizontal. And again, not going to get into the details, but the student right away was like, oh, that makes total sense. And so again, it was a tool for me as an educator, and it's important for the kids to see us using these tools to support us in our work. That way we model for them how they should be using it to support their work, their learning journey. So it's pretty exciting. Um, and it was a sort of a nice AI bow on my week, I guess, because at the top of the week, I ran two sessions with colleagues and then it had been percolating in my brain. And here at the end of the week, I had an opportunity to, to practically use these um, in a student experience. That's pretty cool. That's why I love what I do. Let's take a short break. Well, in segment two, our last segment here, I want to talk about a platform or service I've been using for my own growth as an educator. As you know, stepping into the classroom is new for me. Um, coming to Branksom Hall, you know, Branksom was a client of mine, and I I arrived at Branksom Hall as um, a futurist, uh, a strategist in the area of technology, but also organizational design and just strategic organizational strategy. And my time has sort of brought out that inner educator uh, in me. But I am the type of person who likes to go uh, deep and I'm the type of person who likes to continue to learn, not just through the day-to-day experience and observations of other master teachers. And so just like I have throughout my career where I gravitate um, to different ways of professional development. So there's formalized classes, you know, which I've always done through my career and currently doing that as well, pursuing a master's in education. But when I think back to just my, my life or my career, you know, I've always consumed a lot of content, you know, things like the Harvard Business Review, for instance, and books. Um, we all listen to podcasts. Um, and so I've been looking for resources that are um, education-focused uh, and specific. And I want to share one that I've been using. For those of you who are educated, um, uh, educators, uh, you know, for a long time. Some of this content here may not be the types of things that uh, you're looking for. But I'll sort of share uh, this. It's called the Teaching Channel. 
And the teaching channel, is a, it does come with a cost, so I have a subscription to it. Um, it allows me to uh, find topics of interest. So for instance, when I go to the topics drop down here, I can see things like assessment, uh, class culture, coaching, um, differentiation, engagement, lesson planning. So all kinds of things, professional learning. Um, those are topics, but I can also uh, look by subject area. So I could, it's got English, language, arts, math, science, social studies, um, and you can combine these. So if I wanted to have something in and around um, differentiation, I can click that one, um, and it changes the videos at the bottom. I'm, I'm, I've got a series of videos that are, are being displayed to me. So for instance, um, there's one that's called Planning Full Days and Practicing Fast Facts. This is for grade three math planning, it says. Um, if I scroll down a little bit more, um, there's other videos. And so what I can do is I could choose my subject area. So let me leave that unchecked, but maybe I'm choosing a different grade. So maybe I'm choosing grade eight. And now the videos below um, are a subset. Uh, and now I'm seeing things like uh, comics in the classroom and engagement strategy, for instance. Um, is a video. It's a four-minute video uh, under teaching practice. Um, there's one called Snowball Technique, Building Knowledge Incrementally. Um, again, four-minute video. Differentiating with learning menus. Okay, lesson idea. Um, and on and on and on. And these are they're good videos that have been created uh, by educators. Um, and I have found it valuable because there are ways for me to refine my practice. And, you know, sometimes the professional development that I seek out is to allow me to do more things strategically, big picture items. But I equally find it important to find ways to continue to refine my practice. It's something I always did as a consultant and as um, a technologist and a futurist. And it's the kind of thing that I am, you know, bringing into uh, this next sort of chapter of my career. There's some terrific videos here, and I'm just seeing them implementing new instructional strategies, six-minute video under instructional leadership, um, under planning and collaboration, eight-minute video on something called data walls, which is kind of interesting. And when I click this uh, video here, um, it obviously takes you to a dedicated page on that. It's got uh, thought starters, so uh, on the discussion tab, it says thought starters. How does the leadership team support teachers' use of data walls? What do you think about using data walls as a strategy for improving instruction? According to the principle, why do data walls work? So this is, these are, are thought starters after you've watched the video. So they're not just showing you a video, but they're, they're giving you sort of scaffolding. Beneath that, there are 71 comments from educators um, uh, so again, you can, you can read through those and there is a tab for supporting materials. So for instance, under this one, there are three PDFs using data effectively. That's a handout. If you're going to be leading people through an exercise, a facilitator's guide, and then a transcript of this video. 
Um, and so I just wanted to share that with the listening community. That's teachingchannel.com. If you're an experienced teacher and you look at it and you think to yourself, yeah, this is not the kind of thing that I need, what do you need for your professional growth? You know, this is one of the things I love about being in a school is we're here to um, create the experience for learners to learn. And we're so fortunate to be in an organization where we are challenged and encouraged and supported in our own learning. Um, And I think, you know, in this day and age, there are different vehicles for that. I think with technology, we have an opportunity to collaborate with other educators in ways that we may not have ever had before. Um, We can find different ways to consume things in small chunks, just in time chunks, um, to refine, again, our practice and build on our practice and build ourselves as professionals. So would love to hear from any educators that are out there um, who might have uh, resources that they'd like to share with me, which I can in turn share with the broader listening community. I actually had a few people reach out to me from the past week's uh, podcast, and I've got some meetings set up next week to talk with um, some members of the listening community that are in education and want to talk about some of the things that they're doing. I won't have them on the podcast specifically. Who knows? Maybe at some point I will. But it's just nice uh, to to hear from you. And uh, for those of you that are on campus, this is already happening, and I love that. For those of you who are outside of the Branksome community, you know, don't hesitate to share. Um, you can email me. My email address is on the Branksome website. You can also find me on Twitter. My initials MIP69. You can always tweet me. Um, publicly, or you can send me a direct message as well. Love hearing from all of you and would love to hear from all of you on this topic of professional development and your approach to continuous learning. Well, time flies when you are having fun, and this has been a fun episode. Wishing you a great upcoming weekend, as always. Hope that you are keeping well, keeping warm. If you're somewhere that's hot, then I hope you're keeping cool. And we will be together again next week. Again, this is Michael Iani Plarchio of the Garage Cast, bidding you farewell and ciao. Thank you.